for those of you that were here last week, I just really hope you enjoyed Russ's message. There was a couple of things that he said that just stuck with me. And, uh, you know, we had some really good discussion at Life Group Monday night uh, about some of the things he said. And uh, I learned a valuable lesson. If you're preaching on Sunday, you need to take a pen and paper with you to Life Group. Because like half the ladies in Life Group wrote this sermon for me, you know, and I'm over there and they're like, just giving me stuff. And I'm like, wow, I hadn't even thought about that, you know. I'm supposed to be the one studying for the sermon, but yeah, just, just a really rich time of fellowship at our life group uh, Monday night. And uh, what got that kicked off was uh, one of the points that Russ made last week was that, uh, you know, he focused on discipleship and he said, you know, that we're all like in process. You know, that we're all learners, that we're all students, uh, that we're just followers of Jesus Christ, that, you know, we're trying to become more like him. You know, that's the goal. And um, I don't know about you, but for me, that's just like so refreshing. You know, to know that I'm uh, with a body of believers that, you know, they don't, they don't claim to have it all figured out. You know, right. we're all learning from each other. Yep. Uh, everybody here has something that they could teach somebody, probably, you know, with their experience from God. And not only that, but, you know, like when you're in process, you can be honest and open about what's going on in your life, right? You know, you don't have to claim to be like this perfect person. You know, and uh, we've got a place where I think we can be really transparent about our struggles, you know, in our life. And uh, we can have people pray for us. And uh, it's just really refreshing for me right now what's going on here at our church. I mean, just, you know, the things that people have been able to share up front and just receive such love and support from their church, you know. And uh, like no judgment at all. And I just think that's really special what's happening here at our church right now. And I think that's part of the reason that we're experiencing this growth as well. You know, because, I mean, I just believe people want something real in church. Yeah. Yeah. They want to be able to come and be real. They want to be with people that is real themselves. Yeah. You know, it's just opening up about life. And we're doing life together. You know, you can't do life together until you know what other people's lives are like. And what's happening in their life. Then you have to be able to be open and honest about that, you know, to uh, to be able to function in that way. So we had a rich discussion about being in process. And that's one of the things that Russ talked about last week. But also one thing that, you know, I've just thought about several times this week is Russ talked a little bit about his testimony of how he viewed church growing up. Some of the things that were ingrained in him. And uh, it just really made me think about my own life. And uh, when I was a young man going to church, I grew up in Fort Payne, and uh, we went to Mount Carmel Baptist Church, and uh, I just remember, like, part of it was, I guess, my family, you know, it was just ingrained in me that if you went to church, you was a good person, you know, and uh, if you worked at VBS once a year, you were, like, right up with Apostle Paul, you know, if you went and served with the little kids and stuff, I mean, and, like, I just remember hearing as a kid, like, somebody would say, like, I had an argument with John or something, and I'm like, hey, he goes to church. And it's like, in the discussion. You know? <laughs> it was like, you couldn't talk that in full pain at that time. If, if he went to church, it's like the, the argument was squashed right then. You know, like, oh, well, you know, I guess he's a, he's a great person, and I'm sorry, I can't say anything else about it. You almost felt a little guilty for even talking about the person if they went to church on Sunday. So that was sort of, uh, you know, like my view of church going up. And it followed me into my early 20s because, you know, I wanted to be viewed as a good person. You know, and I went to church because that's what I wanted. I wanted the community to see me as a good person. And uh, honestly, that's the reason I went. But, but now I've come to understand that, that being here 
on Sunday morning is not about like me checking a box at the end of the week or like just something I do at the end of the week. You know, this is the first fruits of my week is gift of God. And I start the week off by worshiping him and coming here to get fed, to get encouraged and to go out into the week carrying the love of Christ and trying to be that light in a dark world, you know. And so uh, that's sort of like the process in my life of, you know, becoming more like Christ, but also like the process of my life that's happened and how I view church and stuff. And so uh, those are just two things that he said last week that just really stuck with me. And if you weren't here last week, I wanted to mention that. But that's also where I'm sort of going this week as well, because the fact that we are in process, you know, and that we are becoming more like Christ, we're probably all at different stages in that. But the fact is that, you know, we need each other. We need this spirit. We need to be filled, but also that we need each other. And that's what those twin truths taught me last week from Russ. And that's why I enjoyed it so much. So today we're going to be in uh, Ephesians. We're going to start in chapter 4. And, uh, of course, Paul's intention for this letter was to instruct and encourage a church that he planted. And here in chapter 4, he presses in on the importance of unity and togetherness. It's sort of what we're going with our sermon series his last few weeks here. And at this time, you know, Ephesus was like the church. They were doing really good. I mean, they were the church that were maybe putting some seats down front and, you know, adding some seats in back. They were probably having birthdays, you know, and making places for the kids to play because they had a lot of growth. You know, and Paul's looking at this. You know, Paul's in prison, and I think he identified... You know, it don't matter how good things are going there right now. There's some things that can bring this church down. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not going to last if they're not unified. Yeah. So as we were praying as a group of elders, uh, you know, a couple months ago we were talking about it. We were just talking about, like, you know, what some things that our church is facing right now. And we were so happy about the growth, you know. And uh, that's what one thing that Justin said. You know, we've got to be unified. We've got to get to know each other. We've got to become a group. Of unified believers, otherwise we're just sort of back in that old mentality of church. We're just people that come here on Sunday, and we sort of get to see each other on Sunday. But you can't really get to know each other like that on Sunday, and you can't do life together like that on Sunday. So, uh, like Paul, as he wrote to uh, the Ephesians and asked him to press in on this today, I'm going to press in on this here uh, for this body. So, if you will, please stand, and we will read today's text and get involved here. All right, so we're starting here at verse 1. It says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things, and that he gave the apostles, 
the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow up so that it builds itself up in love. Our Father, Lord, we love you. Father, we just pray that you join us in this time, that you open up hearts and minds to receive this message. Lord, I just pray that you would speak through me, that you would remove me, Father. And that you would speak your word that this group needs to hear, that they might be sanctified, that they might become more like Christ, that you might be glorified at this time in this community through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So as we get started here in verse 1 through 3. We, uh, I notice immediately we're talking about fruits of the Spirit. And so we know that if there's going to be unity in the church, that the Spirit is going to have to be involved in this. You know, and, uh, you know, the fact is that we're in process, it means that He's all still working on us. You know, and that uh, the Spirit is helping us to do things that otherwise we couldn't do. Uh, without the Spirit. I know He's still working on me. I mean, I've got a long ways to go for sure. Uh, I know Lou's probably, Lou probably wishes that the fruits of the Spirit was maybe putting dishes in the dishwasher or something <laughs> like that. And so I'm sure she's still praying for me that maybe that takes hold. But uh, we're all in process. We're all uh, like becoming more like Christ. And that's going to be our title today, Becoming Christ-like. But to do that, it must be done through the Spirit must be done with each other. So immediately as I see the fruits of the Spirit, I know that if we're going to achieve this, if we're going to be a unified bunch, that we have to have the Spirit in us. It has to be done uh, with Christ in us, and it has to be done as a group that is in Christ. So we're going to start at the beginning of the day, and I'm going to give a little gospel presentation because we're going all the way through the process of what it would look like from becoming a believer uh, and to being someone that can disciple other people. So the gospel is this. Your works cannot save you. Your sin cannot separate you from the love of God. Faith in anything other than the person and the finished work of Jesus Christ is not a faith that will save you. Jesus plus anything is a false gospel. Right. Right. But once you come to understand that Jesus died on the cross for you and it's faith in him alone that you can be saved, you will begin this process and Jesus will become everything in your life Amen. if you are converted and you press into him. So once you come to understand that, it's at this point that you can receive the gospel. The altar is open here about 9 in the morning. So it's open right now. If you feel led to come down, come down and pray. Somebody will be with you. 
But if we're going to do this thing, if you're going to be motivated to love others and be unified in the church, it's going to have to be the fact that the Spirit is in you, it's driving this, and that we are a group that's filled with the Spirit, but that we continue to seek Christ and be in Christ. So number one point is we must be in Christ on your sheet. We must be filled with the Holy Spirit if we're going to be unified, if we're going to be a group that can overlook each other's shortcomings, things that maybe would cause us not to get along, and put the bigger motivation ahead of the things that would separate us here in this group. Have you ever noticed that like fruits of the Spirit are qualities that naturally will help us be more unified? Yeah. I noticed that this week as I was studying, you know, I used to think of like fruits of the Spirit were things that would just make me happier. And maybe making me happier is something that will make people want to be around me a little bit more, you know. But like right here he talks about humility. I mean, how easy is it to be around somebody that's humble? Yeah. And this is something that comes from the fruit of the Spirit. The Scripture says that he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. It also speaks to gentleness. It says that they were done with with patience. It's so easy to be patient with other people. It's not easy, but it's easier to be patient with other people when you understand how patient that he was with you. That's right. How patient he still is with us, with me as I make mistakes. He's still so patient. He's still so faithful. It says that it must be done with one another in love. That we must be eager to maintain unity in the bond of peace. And in verse 3, it actually says that unity is of the Spirit. We must be in Christ, filled with the Spirit, to be a unified group. Colossians 2.9 says, For in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in Him who is the head of all rule and all authority. In the Trinity, we see that unity is on display. I could talk about this the whole time, but there are some things that we can be unified in. There is some things that we see here in this text that points to this. Listen to what the text says. It says there's one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. Of all. Those are unifying truths, right? I can say this about the Trinity. One God and three persons working together to establish God's kingdom, God's will, and your sanctification, which is becoming more like Christ. This is your call of the saint. This is the call of every believer to have established God's kingdom. To bring about God's will and to become more like Jesus as we go every day of our lives. The fact is in verse 1 and 4, you're called. God is sovereign, but man is responsible. This is twin truths you will find throughout all of Scripture. So a lot of us can be saying, you know, I'm, I'm waiting on that call. If uh, he called me, I would go, right? Verse 1 and 4 says you're called right now. 
We're commanded to go uh, make disciples of all nations, but right here it says to walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which you call. If you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are called to be part of the body and to do the things that make for unity in the body. This is things that we're called. No more wait. You're good to go right now. <laughs> Point number two in 11 through 14, it says that we must be involved with our faith family. Being in Christ, I look at that as being a part of the body. Uh, you're here at church on Sunday, like Justin said, but you know, I mean, maybe you're like, those guys are a little weird. You know, they sang a little loud or something. So if, if this ain't the group for you, find a church where you're comfortable. You know, you must be in church. You must be a part of the body uh, to function properly. So step one, being in Christ is being part of the body. I view that. But being involved with your faith family would be a process that means that you're being discipled. And I see that as like what we're talking about here in verse 11 through 14. And the fact is we must be in fellowship with each other to learn from each other, to encourage each other, and to protect each other. In verses 11 through 14, it speaks about gifts, knowledge, and doctrines. I believe these are the things that go along with being discipled. And what I want you to look at is in verse 12, who's doing the ministry? It's you. The saints. Believe it or not, you're a saint here today. And that's what the scripture is saying. But the people, the body that's in the church are actually the ones that's doing the ministry. Who are the ones that are equipping those for ministry? It would be the leaders. It would be the pastors. It would be the people speaking, the ones that's leading the D groups. I like to think of this as a, sort of like a team effort. Uh, during football season, I work at Bryant Denny Stadium, and like where I sit is like right behind the opponent's bench. And like, you know, you see the team, they're the ones that's out doing the work, they're the ones that's out, you know, trying to achieve the goal that's playing the game. But then you see all the ones that are equipping them behind the sidelines. You can't really see that too much unless you're right behind the sidelines. But like a couple years ago, I was there. Texas A&M was in town. And, uh, you know, like Alabama scored a couple touchdowns and then A&M scored a couple real quick and come back on. And like the excitement on that sideline. I mean, like Jimbo Fisher, like throws his headset down and he's back there, got a board with his guys, you know, like he's coaching them up. Showing them that, and like people were like squirting water on their hands, they're just so fired up. You know, they're not the ones that are playing the game, but they're the ones that are equipping these guys mm -hmm. to go out and play the game. And like it's sort of the same way here with with Justin and the leaders of the church. And it's sort of like what this is. You know, we come in here and we can equip people to do it, but like if Jimbo Fisher went out on the field, there's no way he could do what those eleven or twelve guys could do out there on the field. But when he gets those guys ready to go out on the field and they go out, they can do great things, right? Mm -hmm. And the same thing is true here with us today. Like me and Justin and elders. I mean, like how many people do we come into contact with throughout the week? But then you look at like if everybody here is equipped doing ministry. Right. Look at the impact that we have as we go out through the week. Look at the lives that could be changed. Mm -hmm. If we're going to reach this last square to change the world, everybody's going to have to be involved in ministry. Right. And this is a time where you come in to be equipped for the ministry. Everybody here is in ministry. Yeah. 
Everybody's called. Everybody here should be in ministry. You know, you come here on Sundays uh, to be equipped for ministry at this corporate worship. But the fact is, you can't get it all here. You need life groups. You need D groups. Uh, you need other things. Like Justice said, you need to know the word. We have to know God in order to be involved in ministry. And so these are other ways that we get equipped for ministry. Through our friends, through our connections, through the life groups and D groups that we're talking about going through the week. The fact is, we gain hope and wisdom through experiencing victory over sin and struggles with our faith family in their daily lives. We gain wisdom when we hear what the Lord is teaching those that we are in groups with, right? If we're willing to share what the Lord is doing in our lives and what the Lord is teaching us with our friends and our groups, we all get that knowledge that God is giving everybody. Look how much more knowledge we can gain that way than if we try to do it on our own at home. The fact is, evangelists must be with those that need to hear the gospel. Yes. One of our favorite sayings as elders is Justin told us that, you know, shepherds have to smell like sheep. And so <laughs> if you're protecting the sheep, you have to be with the sheep. And you have to be with those that you are protecting. So that's sort of become a motto of mine. Teachers must be with those who seek knowledge. We have to be together in fellowship with each other if we're going to use the gifts that God has given us. I want to hit on the gifts that are mentioned here a little bit. But, uh, I mean, we could go all day on these gifts and uh, we probably wouldn't be in agreement on all of them. It's not really like a unifying thing, but I can say this. The spirit-filled people that God has brought in my life are the greatest gifts that God has ever given me. That's good. Amen. And it don't matter what you say, you can probably argue with me about that greatly, but whatever gift God gives a person is wrapped in human flesh and presented in the form of a person, right? Right. So when we're in fellowship with each other, we have access to the gifts that God has given them, but we have to be in fellowship to do this. That's good. And the fact is, God has put people right here around you that are gifted to help you. They can pray for you. We have people in our elder body that they feel like that's their gift, that's prayer. Yeah, we have guys that feel like, you know, their ability is to teach, that their ability is to study and things like that. And there's people right here all around you that are gifted to pray for you, that maybe have had more experience studying the Word, that can help guide you through the Word. And there's people here that can hold you accountable, which is one of the most important things of togetherness. Knowing each other well enough to know when something's going on with somebody. You know somebody well enough that you can share your struggles with, that can pray for you, and that can hold you accountable as yes. you walk through life. Yes. So becoming Christ-like means making disciples. We must be invested to make disciples. We must invest our time, our resources, and be willing to risk our hearts to make disciples. That's good. Disciples are marked by growth, togetherness, and love. So, this morning we've looked at the process of becoming more like Christ. We've seen that we must be in Christ 
to be unified. We must be involved with our faith family to be equipped for ministry. We must be invested in people's lives to make disciples. I feel like today in church culture in our country, this is sort of where the roadblock comes in on the making disciples. You know, I think that uh, a lot of people are at church. I think a lot of people go to church. And uh, I think there's a, a good percentage of people that's willing to attend a life group or have a fellowship with people outside. But when you talk about making disciples, when you talk about guiding somebody to become more like Christ, to invest in them, I feel like that's sort of where the gulf is right now. And it's sort of a roadblock for us as culture. And that can be for a couple of different reasons. You know, it can be that uh, you don't feel, uh, you know, like you're equipped to do that. Maybe you feel like, well, that's, that's Justin's job is to make disciples. Or that's somebody else's job is to make disciples. You know, I think we can read the Bible and we can look at it like the disciples that were with Jesus were like really great gifted guys for this. You know, and they were, they were people that stepped out in faith and started allowing God to work in their life. And they started seeking Christ to help them along the way. And that through that process, they become great disciple makers, right? But like this is the area that I feel like we're going to have to press into the most as a group. And the fact is, it's going to be messy. And the fact is, you're probably going to get your feelings hurt along the way. You know, you might even get a phone call at 2 in the morning from somebody who's struggling or something like this. But look, if we're going to make disciples, if we're going to take that next step in becoming like Christ, we have to be invested. And we have to be willing to uh, set some things aside in our life that uh, maybe we're prioritizing over making disciples. We have to press in on this. The fact is this. People don't care what you know until they know that you care. Has anyone ever had to speak some truth into your life? Some hard truth? Hurts. Have you ever had to speak some hard truth into someone else's life? If you know it's something that you have to be invested to do, right? The thing is, when you come up on a situation like this, the messenger and the motivation matters. Oftentimes, it is genuine love that, that drives you, or concern that drives you to have these difficult conversations with people. Because you're genuinely concerned about their well-being. You're genuinely concerned about their walk. You understand the importance of them becoming more like Christ and not just coming to church on Sunday morning. Oftentimes, if it's somebody that comes to me and they have to tell me something that they see in my life, if I know it's somebody that loves me, I can take it so much better out. If I know their motives are pure, Instantly, I can put the defense aside and I can listen because I know that they want the best for me and it's not coming from a place to where they want to hurt me. Mm. But the fact is this, it takes relationship to get to that point in our life. That's right. We have to spend time together. We have to walk together to understand that people do love us, that they want the best for us. And it's at that point that we can guide, that we can correct each other in that way. This is growth and maturity that he's speaking about. When you have a group of men or women in your life that you can confess sin to, and when you have a group of men and women in your life that can speak some real truth to you in love.
or that you can do the same for them. This is the type of maturity that is talking about here in the scripture. If we're going to grow, if we're going to take that next step in maturity of becoming Christ-like, we have to be connected with each other. We have to have a relationship with each other. And we have to be the type of person that would speak the truth and love to a brother or sister. And we have to be the type of person that would receive that truth or love. And I'm just going to tell you from my own experiences in my own life, it's something that it takes genuine time to be able to do. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it takes months or maybe even years before you can get to that point in your life. But when you get to that point in your life, true growth and true maturity can happen. Because you have that group of people around you that can hold you accountable. And you have that group of people around you that will hold you accountable. So that next step is becoming more Christ-like, is making disciples. The fact is here in the last couple of verses, it says that everyone is essential. The fact is it takes everyone working together to make this body grow to make the body mature, and to make the body be the image of Jesus Christ. So what I would tell you at this point is to stop waiting, to press into Jesus' will for you, to get involved and when you are get in Christ, and when you get involved, you will become invested. I want to leave you with these truths at the bottom, these takeaways. You are called to be the image of Jesus Christ. You are a gift to your faith family. You are being equipped for the work of ministry. And you are essential to the growth of this body. The body of Jesus Christ is marked by making disciples that make disciples. The truth is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. These are the keys that hangs on discipleship. And this is what we must do. So as Leslie comes up to play, we're going to have a time of invitation or a time of prayer for you. And I want you to examine your heart during this time. I want you to examine your walk and where you are in this church culture. And I'm betting that most of you are feeling sort of the same way I do. You're not feeling like uh, making disciples is really your job. Maybe you're feeling like there's somebody else that's a lot better equipped or that's uh, a lot better gifted to make disciples in this group than you are. But I just want to remind you, it takes all of us for the body to grow up. So I want to have a time of response and maybe your person is visiting here and uh, maybe uh, it's the first time you've heard the gospel in a while. Maybe you haven't had the chance to uh, respond to the gospel in a while. But I just want to tell you that during this time, if you feel this pull in your heart, if you feel like the Lord is leading you to come down, that's an effectual call. And that's your invitation to join the body of Christ. And that means that Jesus Christ wants a relationship with you. And so I just pray that you be obedient during this time that you come down. People will grab you. They'll pray with you. The process can start in your life 
right here today. Or maybe as I said that, maybe it made you think that like, you know, as a kid, you're in VBS or something, you went praying. And maybe it can, you know, like make you think, is my faith placed in Jesus alone? Or is my faith placed in like something else so long ago? It's completely okay to examine that and to look into your life. But either way, if you feel like you need to pray, if you feel like that the Lord is leading you down, or maybe you want to pray for strength or seek His will, well, look, church, we have to be in Christ. And being in Christ can start for you right now. So be in Christ. Get involved with your faith family on a relationship level. And get invested to make disciples of all nations. That's how we're going to change the world, church. Yeah. All right, if you will, bow with me. I'm going to pray. And we'll, the altars will be open.